You are listening to The Sauna Show, a podcast that explores new ways to combat modern life and reclaim your health and vitality. My name is Sebastian Miro and I'm the CEO of Clearlight Saunas International and a passionate entrepreneur and health enthusiast. I'm sitting down with scientists, holistic health practitioners and change makers in the wellness space to talk about all things detox, health and happiness. So welcome on the show, Glenda. So cool to have you here. Because human design is something that has intrigued me certainly for many years and many of my friends have either introduced me to it or introduced them and I found it's an amazing, amazing tool to understand oneself better, yeah? Oh, absolutely. Thank you for the welcome, Sebastian. Yeah, I got from <laughs> our phone conversation the other day that you were very um, keen on human design. It's obviously really benefited you in yeah, your life. Yeah, yeah, over years. Yeah, definitely. Yes, all good. And um, But if you... If you would describe in a few sentences what the human design actually really is, how would you how would you describe it? Do you want the nuts and bolts, like what it comes from, the esoteric side of it, or do you want the benefits? I can do both. <laughs> Let's do both. I love both, yeah. Okay, well, the foundation is it is a combination of um, several esoteric-type technologies. There's the I Ching, the ancient Chinese I Ching, the Book yeah. of Wisdom. Uh, there's chakras. From the Hindu system, there's the Kabbalah, the Tree of Life. Huh. Uh, there's astrology. And so those things all come together in a very unusual way to make up what the human design system is. And then there's some quantum physics um, in there in a way called a subatomic particle called neutrinos, which is what actually brings the planetary imprinting to us. At our birth. And yeah. this is, you know, whether it's astrology or human design or whatever it is, that's how the planetary influence gets in our body is through these little subatomic particles called neutrinos. Oh. Wow, that's amazing. Mm. That's fantastic. So um, was it actually a conscious thing that happened that um, that it was all brought together or is there another story to it? Oh, no, the there's a very big story to that one. <laughs> um, Ra, the founder, was living in Ibiza. And mm -hmm. had this mystical experience. So he said, like, everyone thinks mystical experiences are going to be all, you know, harps and flowers and pretty music. And it was really quite traumatic. Um, wow. Where for seven, he, he came home one night and there was a light in the ruina that he was living in. Yeah. And there was no electricity. And he was like, oh, this is a bit strange. Yeah. And he went inside and there was this energy there that took over him. Knocked his dog out. He thought his dog had died, knocked and took over Ra's being in a way, and downloaded this information for seven days straight. Hmm. And he received everything in that particular time. It coincided with a um, astronomical event called Supernova 1987A, and there was also the harmonic convergence. It was in 1987, so there was a very wow. big um, planetary events going on at the time and that's where the information came from and this Ra heard this he called it the voice you know yeah and this being gave him all this information and then after the seven days it left again and he wandered around thinking he'd gone completely bonkers for yeah, a while yeah. because he wouldn't was, you yeah <laughs> yeah it was um It was a very confronting experience for him on many levels, um, you know, because it was actually physically painful. A lot of stuff happened during it. You know, there's a documentary on that. If people yeah, are no, I've seen it on looking. YouTube even, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And 
then he felt he kept feeling this pressure. He tried to ignore the information. He didn't even he wasn't even interested in astrology. He was very anti all of that sort of stuff. Okay. And so and then he just kept feeling this pressure. So he worked out how to put the charts together. Mm. and how it all fig- worked together and started doing some research and started sharing it with people and all of a sudden people were, you know, really getting it and finding it really helpful and so he just started spreading the knowledge and, you know, pardon me, lived around the world a couple of different places and, um, yeah. So you were actually one of the first ones to bring this to Australia, if I'm not correct. Ah, uh, yes, I was. I did bring it to Australia. Yeah. How did you, how did you get exposed to it? Um, well, it was over twenty years ago now, and you know, I was doing. I've worked in the healing industry for a long time mm. as a therapist. I've trained in many things, and one of my friends um, came back from. The UK and she was raving about this stuff that her brother was into and you know and she said it was a combination of this and that and I yeah. had I'd seen just about all of these things and I was a little bit jaded but yeah. also it was very interesting because I'd had a dream in 1987 when Ra received the information mm. I'd actually dreamed the body graph and wow. the mandala yeah. and all of this stuff and I had spent many years learning astrology and all of these other things to try and work out how to put it together mm. <laughs> and he had done it well, mm. because the voice gave him the information, he could put it together. When you understand the mathematics behind this, there's no way my head could have ever put that together. <laughs> no mathematical <laughs> genius going on in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this, and I was a bit jaded. This friend said, oh, no, I'll show you this chart. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And she showed it to him. I'm going, oh, my God, that's it. Yeah. And she just was like, what do you mean? And I, and I told her the story and her and she put me in contact with a guy in the UK. I had my first reading with him. Um, I was mentoring someone who I thought would like it. She'd just come back from Hawaii. I showed her the chart and she was like, oh, I had a reading done in Hawaii. Yeah, right. And so we got together and we did one of the very first online classes with a guy in New York. He, you know, it was a first, online classes back then was yeah. really, really unusual. And... Um, to the point, you know, I had to get one of my friend's daughters to set up the computer system to do it because we were just like, how do you do this? <laughs> and we did that class and it was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. And then um, at that stage, Ra had a very close friend who's now passed on called Ed Stanton and he was very steeped in human design with Ra and he came out to Australia and stayed with me for a month and taught Virginia and I. Ah, oh, fantastic. And then we bought the licence for Australia and mm-hmm. produced books and taught classes and oh, wow. did all sorts of stuff for several years. So Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So when you, when you look at it, like what, what are the fundamental what, – what does this chart, chart give someone? Like what, what would be the fundamental things that come out of it when they get a reading? Okay. Well, there's two really important things. One is your type. There's four different types. Yeah. And each type has a specific way of entering into things in their life, of being able to go through life with less resistance. Yes. And I relate to that a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so each type has its own particular strategy. And so that's terribly important. And also we all have what's called an inner authority. 
And it's about how we make decisions, not with our mind, mm. but with some part of our body. Um, some people have emotional inner authority. Some people have an intuitive inner authority. Some people have a compass-like inner authority. It's very different. There's about 11 different inner authorities. Yeah, right. And that's they're the two most important things. Like human design has an Im- immense depth and all sorts of amazing, wonderful things in it and a heap of mind candy. Mind candy, that's right. Actually, <laughs> look at that. I wrote it down, mind candy. I wanted to talk about that as well later. <laughs> it is. It's the most wonderful mind candy. However, it has this beautiful practical side to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very practical person. Mm. And being able to help people understand how to go through life and find find the life that's correct for them. A lot of people are trying to live lives that aren't theirs. You know, they live through their conditioning. Um, when you look at the chart, you know, if you have a chart mm. on the um, website when you have this, you can see where if some where you're coloured in in your chart is your life force. It's what you're here to navigate life with. Anywhere that's white in the class is what you're here to become wise about. Not white in the class, white in the body graph in the chart. Yeah. Sorry, white in the chart. It's um, what you're here to be wise about but you get conditioned through there and that conditioning can take you away from what's your truth it takes you away from your trajectory yeah yeah it was hugely and and i think when i found out that i i'm a particular type so i'm i'm a hermit opportunist and um the quality of a hermit beside others is that you know you you like to be on your own you get actually energy for by being yourself Mm. and and you know you like to ponder over uh things and when i when i learned that it it gave me permission to be that more and feel not bad that I don't want to go out on a Saturday night every week, yes. week one after one. And the opportunist part then was one where, where, as far as I understand it, is I live through my network, which means like I know someone who can help me uh, because a friend or a friend of a friend or so on. Whereas if I would call someone out of the blue and say, "Hey, would you be interested?" Like for these podcasts, I know that, so I won't just call anyone out of the out of the blue whereas yes. we have people on the team that can do that they have the energy to actually engage with completely new people but i don't know i i don't and therefore i don't blame myself that people always react when they don't know me <laughs> react really i don't know like not really engaging and that's you know just the energy i bring to it so my question was just um do you want to quickly run through through the types that there are because people will probably see you know re- relate to that and Absolutely. think oh i must be that one and yeah yeah, you're, when you were talking about the hermit opportunist, yeah. that's not actually one of the types, that's one of the profiles mm. and there are 12 of those which oh. we can chat about if you want to. But the types, there's four types. Oh, sorry, yes. And, and t- the type is actually based on the aura. Each hmm. aura has a very specific function and mechanic of mm-hmm. its own which is terribly fascinating to me anyhow, maybe to everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But there's, so there's uh, the main component of the planet are generators or manifesting generators that's around 70 percent of the Mm. population which doesn't sound very unique or interesting but knowing you're a generator and how that works is like the key to unlocking the uniqueness in your chart Um, and the generator has a very amorphous aura which is always bringing things to them it's like a tractor beam it's magnetic it's always dragging stuff to you just because it comes to you doesn't mean it's for you, though. That's why you need your inner authority. <laughs> <laughs> People go, oh, but it showed up. And it's like, yes, but did you actually really want to do it? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the projector type, 
which there's around 17% of the population are projectors and the projector is here to wait to be invited. The generator waits for things to come to them through their aura. Their aura brings everything to them. The projector waits to be invited. They need to be invited into all the important things in their life. They're here to be recognised. And they have a really fascinating aura in that their aura pierces other people's energy to get their attention mm. and that's how they get invited. Mm. You know, the projectors are always, you know, they kind of prod you with their aura yeah. to see if you're right for them or not. Yeah. By the way, like my, my, my daughter, she's five, um, she is a projector and I just know the type of questions that I ask her that she feels really comfortable with and others that she doesn't, you know, and, and it's really like described to me, like quite detailed question they enjoy as far as mm. I know. Yeah. And, um, you know, my partner looks sometimes at me, why would you ask this detailed question when I came from school? I didn't want to describe my school day, whereas Simba, my daughter is like, yeah, you know, and she, she <laughs> goes all into the details and feels yeah. really good about it. And I know on the opposite, on the contrary, if people don't get invited, they try to push their opinion onto other people. But it's the invitation is not there. The energy is not really there for letting them in. And people really get burned out by trying yes. to participate without invitation. So I think as a partner of a projector, it's also just being mindful of like, I just have to give that invitation, mm. this question of what do you think about this? Mm. Yeah. Oh, it opens the door for them. It op it's like, you know, it opens up the energy and they have somewhere to go. Otherwise, they're pushing, they're trying to get through and there's nowhere for them to go. Yeah. Um, and then there's the manifesto type, which is around 8 to 10% of the population. And they're the initiators. They're the ones who can go out and just do stuff. And they have a very impactful aura. Like there are some of the, some people say, or Ra used to say that, you know, their aura was repelling. Ra was a manifester. But it was only repelling because it's a very dense aura. It mm. impacts things. And their aura is actually opens and closes. It's really fascinating. Okay. If you know a I manifester. I do. If they really like you, their aura is open. It's really welcoming. And, mm. But if they don't like you, it's like bang, shut. It's, yeah. And I've seen it happen in front of me. It's like, it's like watching lift doors close. It's like, wow, you really don't like this person, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I've, seen, I've been with four other generators in a group having a conversation and, and a new person arrived. I didn't know that they were in a manifesto. But that person stepped into the cycle and no one spoke. And um, that person said, in hindsight, that always happens to me. I never understood why that is. But there is that energy that a manifester speaks for first and that they give their direction of things. And once you understand that, you don't feel bad about speaking first. And on the contrary, the, the people you know that know that manifester don't feel bad that they let them speak first. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's understanding the mechanics yeah. of how it works. and. Then we ha have our lovely reflectors who are very rare. There's only less than 1% or 2% of the population mm. are reflectors. And the reflector's role is to basically um, monitor the environment. They're like the canary in the coal mine. If the projector in the room is wilting, you know the environment's not very good. Mm. If, the projector, if the reflector's happy and bouncing around, you know the environment's great. Wow. You know, they have it because the reflector has no coloured in centres. They're very open and their aura is a protection mechanism for them. Though. Their aura is like Teflon. So not mm. everyone accesses the reflector either. You know, they can feel a bit invisible. Ah. But the four types all work together too. It's 
ideally, in an ideal world, yeah. one day we'll have one of those. Okay. Um, we have the manifesto comes along and impacts things. It cracks things open. It mm. starts stuff. It initiates the energy. And then the generator energy comes along and it's a very creative and building energy, the generator's energy. So they're building and creating. And you would have a projector nearby, hopefully, who's guiding the generator's energy. Projectors are really brilliant for guiding energy. You know, so they're wonderful coaches and foremen and mentors and things like that. So they're here to guide that energy. And you would have a reflector sitting in the corner just monitoring the energy, basically. You're just (laughs) keeping an eye on them and say, oh, no, they're happy. The energy's good. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's how the four types are to work together. But we don't live in a world like that yet. Yes. We're working towards it though. <laughs> it's an interesting, it's a very interesting system. And, you know, it sounds like the humanity is designed. If you, if you, I mean, you have all the statistics, as you said, you know, mm. you have 70% who are generators who respond to what manifestors say. And then you have guides that are 10%, did you say? The 17. 17. 17 that guide sort of go more into depth. And then you have the canary in the coal mine there as well that give yes. you a little bit of information there. It's amazing. Whoever came up with that or wherever the system comes from, it's, um, it's extremely insightful. And that's just to add complexity. Now you have in each of those four, they could be, they, they are always two out of 16, did you say? 16 uh, profiles? Yes. There's pro- 16 profiles. Wow. No, sorry, 12 profiles. Yes. 12 profiles. So uh, <laughs> from... Um, You're misleading me. <laughs> I'm very easily misled. <laughs> what are you, by the way? Me, I'm a generator. Yes. Uh, a spl- what's called a splenic generator. So I have a sacral yes or no, and I have a very strong intuition. I have a very strong intuitive knowing. Mm. I'm a 1-3 profile, so... I love to investigate things. Mm. I'm very happy in my own little bubble studying things. And I'm what's called the the third line part of it is I learn through trial and error. Things just bump into me. You know, I never know what's going to happen in my life next. Yes. So do you want to just run us through the the 12 different types? I think it would be interesting just to... uh, Sorry, profiles. Yeah. Okay. So there's the one three, which is all about, you know, investigating... And trial and error, what the, the one three is an expert at what works and what does not work. Mm. Mm-hmm. And some people don't like us because they see as see it as being negative. When you say, oh, no, I've tried that, it doesn't work. Where it's not actually negative, it's realistic. The third mm-hmm. line's very realistic. It either works or it doesn't work. Yeah. Then we have the two four, which is what you are. And the 2-4 has the side of them that is the hermit that's, you know, very... And it's about, you know, there's a shyness there where you're not open to everybody straight away. Mm. Um, But once you've sussed somebody out and they are for you, you can be very not shy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And the fourth line is all about opportunities coming through your networks and your friends and your connections and... You know, I always say to people who are the fourth line, beware of strangers bearing gifts. They are not for you. (laughs) No matter how good the gift is, if they are a stranger, if they don't come through any of your networks or acquaintances, say no. (laughs) Okay, so should I, do I have to get to know them slowly? Um, No, if they're a stranger, you they need to be brought to you by somebody you know. Wow, Mm. yeah, I'm. I totally buy into that. I've seen it so many times, working and failing yes. because of that. Yeah, I wish it would be different sometimes. Never mind. I am what I am. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, well, if your aura works correctly, you bring the right people to you. Yeah, so far so good. Most of us, our auras, I say the, your aura or your frequency has been dumbed down because you're making decisions with your mind, you're trying to live a life that you've been conditioned to live. Whereas once you start using your inner authority and your design, your frequency wakes up mm. and your aura wakes up and mm -hmm. things just really start to come yeah. that are meant for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we've got the, and there's the, um, the two four. There's a one four, which is a investigator who is also a networker. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, those researchers work at universities. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Or they're really great naturopaths. I know a few one four naturopaths. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, the two five is all about being a hermit. But they're an interesting one. They've got that hermit side to them, but the fifth line likes to get out there in the world. Mm. And so they have a real dichotomy between mm -hmm. I want to be in my turret and not talk to anybody, thank yes. you very much, but I have this gift to share. Oh. So they step out and share that. And fifth lines are really brilliant at marketing. They love to have something to universalise to people. They love to have things to tell. You know, if you're putting together a marketing department, make sure you have fifth line people in it. <laughs> okay, I'll keep that in mind. Check everybody's charts. <laughs> um, and there's the three five, which is we call them the archetypal black sheep. They are the three five is a hard profile because they're learning everything through trial and error, and they're being projected onto with their fifth line that they're supposed to be perfect, and they're not. They have they have a lot of trouble fitting into society, but they are here. To, they re bring us a real gift in that they have the message of how life really works. Mm. And anyone with a third line profile is here to master the material way. They're here to really understand how money works. They understand the material world better than anybody else. Mm. If people listen to them. Mm -mm. But, you know, people have their ideas and ignore us. So. <laughs> um and there's a 4-1 profile, which is really interesting. That's called a juxtaposition. Juxta. Juxtaposition, where they're very fixed. Anyone with a 4-1 profile has a very fixed trajectory in their life. They're not open to being influenced. They're really here to just do that one thing that they are doing. Mm. And they love to investigate and they have, their opportunity, they have their networks and their friends, but they have this very fixed trajectory in life and you can't push them off it. They're going their own way. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember which one. So seven? No, seven. What do you mean? There's no seven? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a four six. And that's the – the four sixes are the friendly networkers. Mm -hmm. And with the sixth line – they're here to be role models and they are here showing us. And four sixes are really brilliant at taking the information from someone like a one three and bringing it to the world. And again, mm. this is where we see how people work together. When you look at the profiles, there's yeah. certain profiles that fit together. Um, 
This is like a memory test. <laughs> I'll probably fail. <laughs> uh, there's also the 3-6 or the 6-3 profile. It goes both ways. Okay. And again, they're someone who has a lot of trial and error in their life and then they're here to become a leader and a role model later in their life. Anyone who has a sixth line has three parts to their life where the first third of their life up until they're around 28, 30 can be a bit bumpy. And then they withdraw from life a bit. Most people don't notice they've withdrawn, but they know they have. And from 30 to 50, they become much more aloof and much more objective and, a, and an observer. And then after 50, they come back down into the world to share and lead from As what they've learnt yeah. in yeah. those last um, 20 years. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. And I've possibly forgotten some, but that's... That's all right. Um, yeah, the, the reason why... <laughs> it was like a memory test. <laughs> well, the reason why I actually pointed it out and, and wanted to know sort of some specifics on that because I, I feel that people, when they hear that, they might actually be already able to identify like, hmm, that sounds a little yeah. bit like me. Or it sounds like me how I used to be and over time I just changed because of the relationship I'm in, the work I'm in, the stuff that I do and so on and... It's so powerful to just be reminded on like there is certainly a tendency that these profiles really ring truth to people, mm. you know, and, and that can be just so helpful, you know, that, that you don't push yourself in a direction that from this system anyway doesn't look like this would be a natural to you. And moving on from that, what, what I found interesting then looking at the inner authority, which there are not as many different inner authorities, no. I believe. <laughs> but um there's still um, a few. <laughs> just to give you, like, so the inner authority is sort of how you make decisions, right? Yes. Yeah. And b before we go into detail, I remember um, I, had a, I had a childhood friend, Torben was his name, and he was with me all the time. And uh, it, it struck me that I was always the one who made decisions. And not only that, like it, it, it never changed. Like, you know, it was always me who could say what we wanted because he was like, well, you know, I don't really mind. And I always thought... There must be some, he's just undecided and, you know, maybe he has not strong opinions. And I saw him a couple of years ago and we looked at his profile and his inner authority was the 28-day moon, meaning he ah, needed... he's a reflector. He needed 28 days to actually, you know, come to a decision, which is really unusual. Like normally, do you want to talk about the normal, more common, <laughs> or, or more common authorities that people yes. have? Yeah, yeah. the 28-day moon is only the reflector. No one else has that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> intense. It is. It's, a, it's really quite fascinating. Um, well, the main inner authority a lot of people have is the sacral inner authority, which is a abdominal or it can be a full body it's a sacral yes or no the sacral gut, gut feeling sort of yeah it's not exactly like no. gut feeling that's more what's the splenic inner authority is a right. knowing the sacral can be a gut feeling mm. it can be a whole body feeling it's really dependent on what's actually defined in the chart around the actual sacral as to how the person feels it but it is it's you know it can be a gut feeling, but more there's the something called your splenic inner authority. That is your gut feeling. That's that gut knowing. That's that part of you that always goes, I knew that was going to happen, huh. that you didn't listen to. That's more, that's the splenic inner authority, whereas the sacral is quite a loud yes or no you get in your body, but a lot of people ignore it. You mean straight away? Straight away, immediately. Yes. 
Yes. And, and again, <laughs> <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know what, what's nice if you know that about your kids, then you know I can ask them direct questions yes. and they will know the answer. Whereas there are other kids uh, that you know ponder on that. And and what would that be? That could be the emotional inner authority, mm. which is what you have. Yes. You have the emotional wave, and that takes time. You need. You need to be exposed to certain questions over time so you can gather information through what's called your emotional wave to get clarity. The emotional wave goes from high to low to back again. And yes. when you're high on your wave, when someone who's oh, I say got, yes to anything. You would. You yes. sign the contract. It's all so Okay, I buy this house right now. And then you go down on your wave and you think, oh, my God, what have I yes, done? Yes, exactly. Or you're down on your wave and you will throw the baby out with the bathwater and then you come back up on your wave and go, oh, my God, what yeah. have I done? So you must wait for that clarity. When I learned about that wave, it, it opened doors really and it, it prevented me from making hasty decisions. So I gave myself to one like, you know, so when I go into a shop and people say, do you want or don't, don't do you want to buy now? I, I'm so <laughs> flustered that I, you know, don't anymore. But, you know, I used to just buy. And, yes. and, and, and that's because I felt I'm probably meant to. But what, what, what it really is, it's like there is a wave and... It's. It took me a while not to get depressed about like I had a yes and now suddenly I changed my mind. You know, don't I know what I want? And when someone explained this really to me and said like there will be a high, that's just normal, and then there will be a low, that's normal, mm -hmm. and then after that low is over, just wait. And you can literally just feel it. It goes away, and then there's a clarity of what I want. Whether it's still a no, so actually, the, the pressure's gone, and there is an answer. And and that sounds. I mean, all of this is super esoteric, but it doesn't matter. Like, I can just say, like, definitely work for me. And it depends on how big the question is. And thinking about, you know, buying a house, it took me 12 months. Not the same house, but the whole decision and knowing the yeses and noes that I want to settle for um, is great. And, and knowing the system just means, like, I don't have to know tomorrow. No. No, not me. Yeah. And with the emotional wave, there's so much judgment in our society about emotions. Mm. And someone like you, you will have emotional highs, you will have emotional lows and there's nothing wrong with any of them. And if you suppress them, you suppress your decision making, you can make yourself sick and I've seen so many people that I've worked with just be set free just by knowing that it's okay for them to have the emotions that they have because we get so judged. It's like, oh, you know, you're angry or you're this or you're that and if you have an emotional wave... That's perfectly normal and natural for you. Can you give me a bit more specific example? So what, what, how would people come to you and just be confused? or been, Well, yeah. you know, they come for a reading and, yeah. you know, and I'll say, you know, are you aware of having emotional highs and lows? And they're like, oh, yes, I am. But, you know, I've, I've been having healing to fix that or I've been having medication to fix that wow. or yeah. whatever. And it's like, well, there's nothing to fix. It's actually a really important part of you. It's a beautiful, juicy, creative energy. You know, all of the great music, art and literature of our time mm. has come out of the down end of the emotional wave. Mm. None of those things that move us come out of the high end of the wave. Wow. And, you know, I remember many years ago reading an interview, there's a musician called Missy Higgins, mm -hmm. and she was saying how she could not write songs when she's in a good mood. Wow. And I was like, yeah. ah, yes. Yeah. And it is, you know, you, and you speak to musicians, you speak to artists and all of their greatest work comes 
when they're melancholy, when they're emotional, when they're in that deeper place, mm. if they're all happy and high and la-di-da, you know, they might pl- paint some pretty butterflies but it's not something that moves people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, see, do you know Eric Clapton's See You in Heaven? Yes. You know what that is about? I do. It, it's his, was it, how old was his, his son? I think he was two or three. Falling off the balcony. They fell out heaven. the window. Oh, window, right. Mm, yeah. Awful, awful thing. Yeah, yeah, beautiful song. It's a very deep song and, you know, I, and I'm, I'm actually not emotionally defined. I don't have an emotional wave but I still can't listen to that song sometimes <laughs> <laughs> because it's just so like, oh, my goodness. And, you know, and I grew up with Eric Clapton's music so it has a very strong effect on me. Yeah, yeah. And I found it fascinating. Sometimes people reference who is who and, like, you know, the, 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 um, Mick Jagger sings, you know, I can't get satisfaction that goes really deep into his chart but he basically has a chart i believe that can't give he doesn't have the channel that is called the yeah. satisfactory yeah. Channel. well he didn't write it oh yeah i didn't know that take everything back that i just said <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i'm a li- little bit into music <laughs> oh okay yeah no keith richards wrote the song huh and he's a manifesting generator huh. besides being a complete freak <laughs> but, <laughs> but no mick is a projector mm. Mm. yes and he's a very very interesting projector in that I, there are some ways he lives what his design is and really does wait for the recognition but there are other times where, you know, you can see how pumped up on everyone's energy he gets and how he jumps around and that's not particularly projectorish. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he had a great invitation into that band and look what they've done. You know, what do you mean by invitation? Well, they, you know, they, in, they he was invited to be part of the band. Yeah, but by them. So it wasn't him starting it. I can't remember who did yeah. which. There are some parts of my memory that don't yeah. work that well on those things. But, yeah, the history there yeah, as yeah. to how it started. And Fascinating, hey? Yeah. must be so interesting to see the whole world through this, I guess, system and way to to explain it all mm. and... and um, in one side, like you definitely have a lot of hindsight that suddenly decisions of people make. Hindsight's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> All very smart and wise. But um, there's also something that you can say about, you know, how you go forward through life and with that knowledge. Hmm. And uh, even if it, we sort of soften it a little bit, saying that there's a tendency in people to be that way or that way. Yes. You know, it, that al- alone is just gold. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what are the other um, the the other um, details that you could get out of a reading? Okay, well, you know, first of all, yes, you're under, like if if someone came to me yeah. as an example, if you came to me for a foundation reading, I yeah. would talk to you about your type and your inner authority. I would talk to you about something called your definition. Yes. There's different types of definition. There are people who are called a single definition who, and they're, they're all on their own page. They don't need other people. There are people who are a split definition, which is what you are. Mm-hmm. And split definition need other people's energy around. They're always looking for somebody to connect to to help them feel whole. There's a triple split definition, which is what I am, which I need my energy to always be moving. I, need to, I don't like to be stuck in the one place. I need to be moving through energy. And then there's the quadruple split, which Gee. is a bit like that as well, which needs to be moving through yeah. energy. And then there's the no definition reflectors who are at one with the moon. <laughs> so I would definitely talk about their definition and how that works for them or doesn't work for them. Um, 
I would talk about their incarnation cross, which is a very important part of who you are. It's like your hard drive. It's your reason for being. And the 768 incarnation crosses. So I always have to do research on that before I do a reading. You're saying that 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 many definitions of of that particular. Yeah, right. Like if you look at the chart, in mm. if we go into the depths of it, one of the what are called gates, mm. each gate has a thousand and eighty variations, mm. and the sixty-four gates. That's mm. just one part. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, it can become really a mind candy, <laughs> eh? Going down that rabbit hole. Absolutely, yeah. but we don't do that in the. No, f- the we do not? do the incarnation cross yeah. in their first reading, and then I will talk to them about what the life force of their chart is, what are called, the, they're called channels that are defined and that is your life force. That's the energy that moves you in life and I will talk to people about that at length and that's really important to understand, you know, as an example, if I look at your chart, yeah. you know, you have a um, channel of community that it's called the, and it's all about being part of a tribe, mm. being part of a community, it's really important to you. But you must wait to be invited to that community. If you go and try and make a community, it could fall apart. But the right community will invite you in, so to speak. And when you make bargains with people, you need to make sure that that bargain has a flexibility within it. Because with the tribe, with this community, there's always a bargain. If I'm part of the tribe, I will offer this. And you will give me that. So bargains are something really important to you. Also touching people, you know, being able to hug people, Mm. being able to shake their hand is really important because you can feel their energy. And you also have a sense of smell that's quite important when Mm -hmm. you have this channel. If someone doesn't smell right, they're not part of your tribe. Drives me nuts. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, if I sit next to the wrong wrong person, it just I cannot concentrate about anything else but that perfume or whatever it might be. Yes. Yeah, and that that's this channel here. Yeah, wow. So you know, you explain that to somebody. I actually, I have a joke. I call it the scratch and sniff channel. You have to touch somebody and smell them to know if they're okay for you or not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't recommend actually doing that to people. And no, they might be a bit offended. Better not. <laughs> um, you have a channel here called – it's the channel of intimacy and channel of creativity. So you have a very strong creative energy. You love to express that in many ways and that can be making babies or that can be making projects mm. like your business here. Yeah, yeah, 20 per day. <laughs> well, you know, I always say to my team, like, you know, there's no shortage of ideas. Yes. Um, it's just about which ones we pick to do, but yeah. I, I relate to that. Mm. And and you can break through people's auras. As much as you have the 2-4 profile, which is withdrawn, this channel of intimacy we call it the aura buster it breaks through people's auras people automatically feel close to you you'll sit next to somebody and they tell you their life story and you're just sitting there going wow i don't know if i needed to know that (laughs) (laughs) but now i do (laughs) because people feel this intimacy with you yeah there's like oh you know he's such a nice guy i feel really close to him yeah and you can move the energy in group in them in groups without opening your mouth. Wow! Yeah, I heard that from um, human design and gen. I mean, it's all ba- there's a lot based on the aura yes. itself, right? So, if but that's you, based on your channel. Is that part of, of of the aura? Would you say, or is this channel just within the body? How how both body, both like your your life force, your channels yeah. create the energy of your aura. 
and that's what I well, that's what I say when I say some people's auras. I find them dumbed down because they're not living their design, so mm. their aura's not working. It's not communicating who they are. Whereas when you're following your strategy and you're in an authority, the life force of your ch- defined channels is speaking through your aura. It's not dumbed down. Everybody uh. can hear it <laughs> <laughs> and feel it. In your case, when that's that tribal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I definitely know that when some people enter the group, there's just the dynamic changes, yeah. Mm. So, you know, that's such a complex system. What I always wondered is, how can you make this practical work? Like, how many how many different aspects would I have, like, just roughly, you know, to look at? Oh, I yeah. don't even know. But to make it practical, yes, I just basically, first of all, you know, I do a basic reading with people. I explain their strategy mm. and inner authority, their life force their profile. I also talk to them a lot about their conditioning, how the conditioning they take in through their openness affects them. Because where we're open in our chart, we take in conditioning for good or bad. But it's what they're our classrooms in life. It's what we're here to become wise about. So I guide people around that. But keeping it practical, helping people just access who they are and how to express that authentically is really simple. I keep a lot of the mind candy out of it initially. And it's really funny, like there are some parts of human design because, you know, I know a lot of it off by heart. And people, yeah. But people will ask me an obscure question and I'm like, oh, I'd have to go and research that. And I'll say, oh, don't you know, didn't you study that? And I'm like, yes, I studied <laughs> it, but I don't use it all the time because it's not practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's terribly interesting, mm. but it's not practical. And... You know, when I work, so someone has their first reading, I just explain those practical things. So then some people will go on and do mentoring and coaching work yeah. or they'll go into classes where I still aim it at them understanding how they work and the people around them. You know, you can start looking at your friends and your family, seeing how you're different, seeing how you're the same. Yeah. You know, doing a relationship reading, you know, you're looking, yeah, at, you and your, you're huh. looking at your you and your partner's dynamics mm. And then what happens when you become a family? You know, the whole energy dynamic that changes as you would have experienced, you know, having a baby and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So all of those practical things are much more how I use it as opposed to all of the mind candy business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the the profile types of of the ones, the investigators like yourself, I guess, you know, you could just sit down with a book and just read all your channels (laughs) and all of that. Oh, you'd love my library. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But I guess for for people who have, well, you know, let's let's just talk about the channel that he was talking about, like the tribal one. So if I would say, I don't know why, but I always need to be with people, you would be able to explain that Mm. to me, right? You would go there. Yeah, yeah. you're always looking to be with people. You don't... Mm. And, and this is what can happen with some people with this channel is be, if they don't understand their design, they try and force themselves into groups and communities because they have that need. Mm. But they end up in the wrong groups and the wrong communities and then they feel bitter and twisted about it. Wow. Yeah. So you're a bit of a guide there really, right? Like, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's about guiding people. It's, yeah. It's not like, you know, people go and have astrology readings mm. or psychic readings and they're looking for answers. And human design can give you some answers and there are some transits and things that we look at, but human design's about you connecting to yourself and finding your own answers. Yeah. It's about you being your own, or in, own authority, not somebody outside of you. 
Yeah, yeah. And really guiding people into that level of autonomy is what I really love doing is being able to empower people that they know what's right for them. Mm, mm. And that that's okay for them to do that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny, like the inner authority and the mind are often at odds. But I say to people, it's like your inner authority decides to have a party Mm. and then your mind can be the party planner. Great. They work together. Yes. It's about putting the mind into the correct context. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so... (laughs) (laughs) I can hear your mind from here, Sebastian. (laughs) (laughs) So that's... It it is really a troubleshooting tool as well Mm. as just understanding where you exactly, you know, where you at and how you function really, hey? And... Uh, what do you find, like when you talk to um, to people, do you find it easier with sort of younger people that might not know themselves so well but then also haven't conditioned themselves or more the older mm. ones that have maybe more conditioning but then they know themselves better? Uh, not necessarily. No, it's No trend there? No, no trend there. You know, I. it, it is very individual. It's, you know, some some young people are very conditioned to be on a certain path and they're not open to something like this older people can be exactly the same it's not really generational and i love working with young people with this and and give them guidance early on hey absolutely it's it's really fantastic watching these young people who are growing up knowing their designs and how they express that in the world and seeing them doing exactly who they are Mm. and being okay with that and being comfortable with that. You know, I've had, you know, some young people I'm very close to since they were babies and watching them become successful young adults Mm. but still watching them stick to their designs and how, you know, people put the pressure on them to, oh, well, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. They're just like, no, because we've raised them to be like, no, this we know what's right for us Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. And as for the adults, that's a bit of a, well, we all take time to decondition too. It doesn't matter. Unless if you've grown up with human design, Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier. Mm. And the young people I'm thinking about that I'm talking about, they've grown up with it, you know. They've kind of, you know, we've had their chart from the moment they've popped out. I know, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I would be one of those parents. Yeah, It's fantastic. (laughs) Having accurate time of birth is so important and I'll just mention that on the podcast. If you can actually have your clock set to the atomic clock, which you can find on the internet, that gives you the most accurate time of birth possible. I see. And if you want to go into the real depths of human design, you need that. Going a little bit into depth. So the, the under here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the, the underlying, the underlying fabric of this all is something called new knee. What, what, what's this really fine particle called? Oh, neutrinos. Neutrinos. Yes. I've I have seen a few theories talking about you know gravity is and that that's actually a particular flow of things and that comes from certain things and and you know there's so much to it for when you talk about really small particles neutrinos sounds to me like this is something that would affect someone the hor- that is the same that does the horoscope for us yes and so is that a tide is that like when i when i'm born right then the tide was that, therefore my design is sort of tweaked that way and if you if you think about an equalizer if you're born at this moment, the base is up, 
the the tones are down mm. and then you know if you're born a day later that equalizer changed and therefore what comes out our design our you know what what we appear to be would then change is that sort of how it works it can be it's and that change been can be quite fast i did a reading for identical twins this week right and they had very different charts so i was born six minutes apart mm. and they were different types wow which is really – that doesn't happen all the time. Because I thought there was the moon the, that, that moves and the rest doesn't move fast. No, it has nothing to oh, do with no. it. Oh, no. But no, the moon does move fast yeah. and the others don't. But still, you know, that that change can kick over in a minute's difference. Wow. And these two identical-looking twins have very different lives. Mm. And they were very curious. They were saying, oh, well, you know, we were interested in what I would pick up because astrology shows them as being very much the same. And I was like, well, no, you're not because you are actually different types. They had the same inner authority but they were different types. One was a generator and one was a projector. Yeah. Well, that explains quite a bit because people would would argue that, you know, either horoscope doesn't really work because obviously they are so different or, you know, you never know what you get and so on. But I, I think human design brings quite a bit of certainty to that, huh? Well, because of the practical nature, like with astrology, like I'm trained as an astrologer before human design and old school astrology is a little bit more like human design, whereas there are so many different schools of astrology nowadays, there's so many esoteric things added to it, there's so many different interpretations, there's so many different planetary bodies being brought in, it can get quite confusing. Um, but if you do stick to the really old school type of astrology that, you know, famous people used, like J.P. Morgan, who started J.P. Morgan Bank, you know, everyone will know who that is, mm. he used astrology for all of his decisions, but old school astrology, not the modern type. And um, he was going to go on the Titanic and huh. his astrologer told him not to. Wow. Because his astrologer could see that there was going to be... <laughs> An unpleasant event. <laughs> I don't think the, the astrologer saw an iceberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, better not. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, and my astrology teacher, who was very old school, mm. she was like, it, it was like going to your nana's house. She was just gorgeous, but it was very, it was really traditional archetypal astrology. And she said, you know, the big difference between a millionaire and a billionaire is one of them uses astrology and the other one doesn't. And the billionaire does the mm-hmm. astrology. The royal family do everything by astrology. It's just the tide of the the the, the what is it called? The current, like you, you just flow with the current by by reading these things. Hey, mm. wow, that's pretty amazing. So, well, you know they plan things like you know all all of these people would plan you know royal weddings around specific astrological configurations and. Cool. Hmm. I've heard also that, you know, Feng Shui, which also in, in, includes horses. As you know. Well, especially if you're doing the um, flying star Feng Shui, which is like Chinese astrology for buildings. And does that mean that you, I heard that, you know, that some, some offices that really follow it would change the configuration of the office every year? Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, because the transits bring in different elements and diff- and it's you know a lot of people are familiar with the feng shui that is just the bagua which is like this nine 
different compartments and they move things around there. What you're talking about is the de- more the um, it's a very in-depth type of feng shui that uses the Chinese astrology and sees where things go and. So, but the, that's fantastic. I know that's not exactly human design, oh, but, but so it's still fun to talk about. Oh, fantastic! And you know, just imagine because it's not only that probably that team will thrive and you know that would be good for the company, but also the individuals probably enjoy um, being in a particular position in the building or whatever it is that actually is, is true to to their destiny. Maybe, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a little bit like human design's a bit mm-hmm. like inner feng shui. It's about getting your inner energy in the right place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you can blossom. Then you can flower. Yeah. You know, we live in a world where we're all kind of channeled into being particular types of beings and we have to go through, jump through particular types of hoops. And when we strip it back to being who we are individually, a lot of that goes. Mm, mm. I guess we just have to have a human design reading once a year and sort of plan the year by that, right? Um, you can. You can have a – every year you can have a solar return reading, which is when the sun comes back to where it was at your birth. That sets up an energy for the next year's cycle. So that would be on my birthday? Yes. That oh, that's correct. very good. And, then, and you can have um, what's called – there's a Saturn return reading. I think you're a bit past that now. That's what you have when you're around 28, 29, when Saturn comes back to where it was at your birth. And that's a very big significant change for a lot of people. Yeah. And I know I know. I have to let you go in a moment. But I, I do want to talk about this because... <laughs> we'll have to give another one of these. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. It's so nice that you're just around the corner. For many reasons. Also to get readings from mm. you. But, you know, Saturn Return is one of those things. I, I mean, I didn't grow up knowing anything about that. And I think I only got exposed to it probably... 2012 because I've really majorly got into it because of my calendar change and so, so on, you know. But ever since, looking at people and their set in return, whether they know it or not, you know, sometimes you just know people's mm. dates and you, you look it up and all the rest of it. It's significant. Mm. Oh, like, it's huge. obvious. Like parents should know that because, you know, they worry all through the 20s what the heck is going on with their child and then suddenly... They just fall into place or at mm. least, you know, change directions and all the rest of it. Probably not, well, in a different direction, let's put it that way. Um, can you talk just a little bit about it? Because it's certainly something that I like. I would write, like, yes, definitely this <laughs> exists. It's true. Like, there's no doubt about it that it actually affects people when they have their Saturn return. Mm. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Like, Saturn is the god of karma. It's our great teacher. And Saturn can be a tough taskmaster if you don't roll with the punches. You know, some people can have a really challenging Saturn return. They're those people you see who have that crisis in their late 20s and, you know, they find it really bumpy and really rocky because they resist the change. Yeah. Um, I went with my Saturn return was really quite tumultuous, but I changed my whole life in two weeks because I knew what was going on. I didn't know how it was going to manifest so we don't know that in advance we just know things will change when the saturn (laughs) returns i had no idea how it was going to manifest Mm. but when it did boy oh boy it was like i got retrenched i had to move house i had so many things happen and i completely changed my lifestyle and everything in a two-week period and got rid of a whole heap of friends it's a very very busy time (laughs) So and but that Saturn return, it's about it's it's 
our first step towards adulthood. In human design, you're not an adult till you're 41, till you're what's called your Uranus opposition. Fantastic. But Saturn is our teacher. And if we ignore Saturn's lessons, we get a second Saturn return in our late 50s where it'll be a lot harder. So Mm. go with the first one. (laughs) Get your lessons in the first one. And it really can shatter people though because Saturn is... Saturn has teeth and if you're off track, if you're not on your path, Saturn will box you around the ears to try and get you back onto path. Not, and people will still resist it and I've seen people get through their Saturn return in a very messy way and continue resisting it. But what to do? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, so from a neutrino neutrino um, point of view yes. you like neutrinos <laughs> well i just like to get it back to actually like what what's the underlying principles here that are actually more or less physical which which is something that i i believe is missing at the moment to make it palatable to some people that just like um the less esoteric talk and more like so what's really real and and what i think is beautiful the time we're in is we can almost measure these really subtle energies mm. nowadays not only like by, by people who have crazy equipment and have no no titles in their in their name at all, which makes it not really easy to believe them. Not that they're not not right. You know, they're yeah. amazing people. What's his name? Willem Reich. Can't remember. But there's some people that made amazing machines, but they didn't have the authority to really put that out there. Whereas nowadays, the quantum physicists just they can see that. Like, yes, you can affect matter by your thought. Mm. You know, previously people would just say, yeah, whatever. You know, like you can't bend this, whatever. You know, and nowadays <laughs> it's like, yeah, we can we can measure this. We can even show you in a picture, and 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 that's why I would like to go there because it it helps people who have a really materialistic or Newtonian thinking to mm. just soften it a little bit and say, well, this still is. It just was observed from a different framework first yes. before it actually got proven by science, and that's just so. Well, when Ra had the experience in 1987, he was told about neutrinos and that they that they had mass mm. and that they were the imprinting vehicle that brought the energy from the planets to us. At that stage, people didn't really know anything about neutrinos, let alone that they had mass. And then around 12 years or so ago, they finally proved that neutrinos had mass, mm. maybe a little bit longer. Mm. And... And that they do actually pick up information and drop information off. A neutrino, it's a little bit like, you know, a red car and a white car bump into each other and they pick up a bit of information from each other. That's mm. what a neutrino is like. The sun and Jupiter produce most of the neutrinos that come to our planet and they imprint through the other planets. But um, there's been... Um, telecommunication companies are experimenting with neutrinos because they know that they are communication devices and they are trying to work out how to use them to for mobile phone signals and things yes. like that. They still haven't worked out how to do it yes. because it's a bit inconsistent, but that is the same thing that imprints the planetary information into our bodies, into our cellular memory. I've heard about something that happened at the, in Paris in the 1900s. Uh, someone created something like a cell phone to Russia, I think. And they demonstrated it at the World Exhibition there in Paris, I believe. And I was wondering, it wasn't Tesla. I can't remember who it was. I just picked it up somewhere, you know, so I don't even have a reference. But <laughs> I remember thinking about that and that, that sounds a bit like what you're exactly. saying. Through the ether, you know, exactly. something that is really unexplored. And yeah, neutrinos we'll have always been there. We have only just discovered them. 
you know, humans are very funny. They think that, you know, because they can't see it, it doesn't exist or that they don't know about it, it doesn't exist. Oh, I don't blame me. I mean, you know, <laughs> I need some proof. So so just to, to finish this thought off and then I, I have to ask you actually a couple of, of questions that we always ask our guests. Yep. Um, but um, so with Saturn then, Saturn interferes with the flow or goes through a flow of neutrinos that comes to us and adds a particular flavor a, to it. Saturn is in our solar systems like a sea of neutrinos. Yeah. So they're always in there and they're flowing towards us. They flow through the planets and to us. They flow through us, they throw, flow through the Earth and it's a continual flow. I don't know where they go to. can't remember that bit. <laughs> <laughs> Next solar system. But, but so, And when Saturn is as part of your personal mix at this particular time that is called Saturn Return, mm -hmm. there's more influence of that and that is disruptive. Uh, okay. That's what I mean, sorry. Okay. Yeah. So what happens, it's, it is to do with the neutrino flow, but what happens is it comes back to where Saturn was at the time of your birth in your chart and it reactivates that energy very strongly in you. It's already part of you. It's that Saturn energy you were born with. Mm. It's part of the lessons you're here to learn, that you're here to really embrace. Mm. And... Then when we have that, it's a, that cycle is completed, it's like a marker and Saturn comes around and I guess it's like it amplifies it. Yep. It really brings the spotlight onto that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this has to be looked at. It's like each year, you know, the sun comes back to the same place and it puts a spotlight back on your sun to remind you about your identity and who you are. Mm. In the 29 years, Saturn comes back to where it was and that neutrino imprint is amplifying that Saturn energy that you received at birth. Mm. Wow. Fascinating. Mm. I love it. Yes. We could talk about this for hours. Yes, let's do it again. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I'm sure I lost a few people on the way, but um, I just I needed to go there. A couple of... <laughs> <laughs> it's your... You, you can go wherever you like. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. As long as something else is there for some other people there. Oh, for my thing, for, as far as I'm concerned... The right people who – the people who hear it, mm. who need to hear it, mm. will get it. Some people don't. They might listen to it another year's time and yeah. they'll really get it. Yeah, I'm sometimes one of them, yeah. So general question that we ask our guest is, yes. like, what are the three things that get you out of bed at the moment? Oh, what are the three things that get me out of bed at the moment? My sacral energy, waking up in the morning, is what gets me out of bed. And that's <laughs> technically your sacral is when it wakes up, it gives you the energy to move. Okay. So that gets me out of bed. Uh, I think you mean more what… The, what motivates you to yeah, get, come out of bed. Yeah, yeah, not, not so much um, physically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I could be very cheeky. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, what motivates me? Empowering people. It's mm. empowering people to live their authentic self. Being able to guide people back to who they are, that lights me up. Um, my incarnation cross is the cross of consciousness. I'm here to inspire people. If I can inspire people, it just makes my day. Mm. And at the moment what I'm really loving is I'm actually, I've taught big groups. I've done taught many things besides human design over mm. the years. But at the moment I'm actually teaching human design one-to-one -one mm. and some of my healing work, either in person or online. And I'm really loving that because being able to meet each person exactly where they are and who, as who they are and teach them from there 
is really something special. Like wow. compared, like teaching groups is wonderful, but it's still quite a kind of generic. Yeah, you you cater to the individual. But when you whereas really when do I'm that, doing right? that, that's really what gets me out of bed at the moment. Cool. Mm. And then currawongs banging on my roof. <laughs> <laughs> Those birds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They've been going crazy at my place. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what's your favorite thing to pass time? Uh, my favorite thing to pass time: reading. Yeah, as <laughs> I'm an the first line. Yeah, you would. <laughs> I love reading. Um, beach time, mm. you know, sitting on the beach, and deep and meaningful conversations. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Talking to people who like this, where we can go mm. and riff about all sorts of weird and wonderful esoteric things in a really fun <laughs> way, not get too weighed down. No, no, yeah. definitely not. Mm. And the last question is, um, why do you think we are here on Earth? Why do you, I think we are here on Earth? Why do we exist? Hopefully to evolve ourselves, to evolve our soul, to evolve our spirit. This, in human design we call it the personality crystal. It comes into our body to experience life and then it leaves and then it comes back in to experience life again and hopefully we give it good experiences so we can evolve ourselves personally but also long-term humanity. Ever seen pictures of this crystal leaving the body when people die? Um, you wouldn't, the, it would be very hard to see a picture of the, it, because they're, they're dark matter. They're very, oh, very okay. tiny. Yeah. Yeah, your personality crystal is just at the top of your head. Your design crystal is in your sternum. You mean in, in your um, pineal gland? No, 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 no. It's in between the scalp and the skull. Gee, this is really detailed. Like, <laughs> you know, you know your stuff. <laughs> Glenn, As been... I said to you before, if you ask me the right question... Great. Yep. <laughs> got to got to get you get you back. Like, uh, yeah, so many more questions now. I know it's down. It's it's rabbit hole stuff, but yeah, oh, I enjoy absolutely, that. Yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Just call me Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alice. Well, thanks for ha being here. Oh, you're and um, my pleasure. Giving us the time, and yeah, I look forward to see you again. Go well, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure our team will definitely do a reading with you to understand each other a little bit better and how we work with each other. Oh, thank you, Sebastian. I shall look forward to that. Yes, me too. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Guys, thank you so much for listening to The Sauna Show. My name is Sebastian Mirau, and this episode was sponsored by Clearlight Jacuzzi Saunas, the world's leading provider of superior quality, full-spectrum infrared saunas. You can find more information and resources for this podcast at thesaunashow.com, all one word or on Instagram at The Sauna Show. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with friends. Until next time, have the best day ever.